0: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad to be with you on the program today. We're going to be talking in a matter of moments with uh, David Treyan, the executive director of the Sportsman's Alliance of Maine. Governor Janet Mills, uh, giving her State of the State address on Tuesday night at the state capital in Augusta, did not... Uh, Actually, call for any of the gun control measures that anti gun groups have been pushing in Maine in the wake of the shootings in Lewiston last fall. They're aiming for a 72 hour waiting period, a ban on semi automatic so called assault weapons, uh, as well as replacing the state's yellow flag law with a red flag law. Uh, And Governor Mills didn't advocate for any of those things. She did talk about making some changes to the uh, yellow flag law. She also. Talked about, um, well, I guess one of the other measures that anti-gun groups want. They want, quote, unquote, universal background checks. And that's probably the closest that uh, Governor Mills got. She talked about a um, proposal that would mandate anybody advertising a firearm for sale. uh, would have to put a prospective buyer through a background check, which seems like an absolute nightmare uh, to enforce. And she also talked about uh, adding the word recklessly. To the current statute that prohibits individuals from knowingly uh, transferring a firearm and willfully transferring a firearm to a prohibited person. That is a little concerning, right? Because what does reckless encompass? Could this be a backdoor way to establish a universal background check scheme by say, well, you know, I mean, listen, if you don't know the person, you sell them a firearm and you didn't put them through a background check, boy, that's reckless. So let's get David Trajan's thoughts. Again, the executive director of the Sportsman's Alliance of Maine, who uh, was obviously paying very close attention to what the governor had to say and has been following the uh, debate in Augusta because there's a lot of moving parts here, as you will uh, hear. Take a look and a listen. David, thank you so much for joining me on the program, sir. It's good to see you again. Yeah, you too. I I uh, always enjoy being on your show. Well, I, I really appreciate your insight, uh, and, and I'm very curious to get your thoughts Um, You know, I wrote something for Bearing Arms this morning, uh, and I I commended Governor Mills for bucking the trend of Democratic governors calling for gun bans this year. Uh, She did not mention a semi-auto ban, but I am curious to get your take on what she did talk about, right? So she talked about um, expanding background checks for advertised sales of firearms. She also talked about making some changes to the uh, state's yellow flag law, and then Adding the word "recklessly" mm-hmm. to the existing statute that that prohibits uh, knowingly and willfully selling a firearm to a prohibited person. Yes. Are, are there other changes that that that? Yeah, uh, there, there are some, well? and,
1: and I think that the the best proposal in our package was creating crisis intervention centers across the state. State of Maine is the second most rural state in the nation. It's a big state, and our access to mental health services is very limited. There are huge waiting lists. uh, Kennebec Behavioral Health, it was just reported, has 1,200 people on a waiting list. It takes months. And if that's just one uh, provider, you can imagine it's probably in the tens of thousands of people waiting for a provider for mental health services. Getting crisis centers around the state to act as like a triage center, Mm -hmm. dangerous situations with people, not just dangerous situations for the public, but suicide, um, armed other family members. I think given the history in Portland, I think she said it in her speech had been used 3000 times in Portland. uh, I suspect that will have the biggest impact of all across our state.
0: And, and probably the most likely to get bipartisan support, too, I would imagine, right? Yes.
1: I, I hope she does it in a separate bill because I think that would get unanimous support. Uh, it, what's not known yet is how she's going to present the different policy packages. I hope it comes in three separate bills so that the committees of jurisdiction, they can go to the appropriate committees yeah. and then be heard by the public. So the crisis intervention centers, I think, I know that the gun control proposals coming from the gun control advocates would not have prevented Lewiston, what happened in Lewiston. They just they wouldn't. Um, none of them applied. Background checks, waiting periods, none of that would have made a difference. So this, so that component is all political. Taking advantage of of people's grief to try to push forward the gun control agenda. Let's just make that clear. Yeah. What I like about what the governor did, Well, she pulled herself out of that scenario and said, I'm going to talk to people and come up with a package that fits Maine. That's code for out-of-state groups. We're not, we're not going to just do this because you want us to. So I, like you, I was, I was happy with that approach. My membership opposes universal background checks. What, what she has in her package is not universal background checks. What it does is it expands background checks to gun shows, which already the people at a gun show already have to uh, require background checks when selling guns, because they're dealers. What that's trying to get at is, if you as a citizen know of the gun show. You bring a gun to the parking lot or into the gun show, carry it on your shoulder, and say, "Hey, anybody want to buy this gun?" If her pe- proposal passes, that would require a background check.
0: Okay. Now, I also I think the Bangor Daily News described it as uh, as advertisements too, right? So, like the yeah. you know the the, no, the penny saver uh, paper stuff like that.
1: Yeah. If if you advertise to the general public and you don't know who's purchasing the gun, mm-hmm. put it in a classified ad in say Uncle Henry's. That would require a background check.
0: Uh, you know, I I, I have. Um, I have my concerns about the constitutionality of that proposal, but I also have concerns about the practical practical ability to enforce a measure like that. Um, It seems to me like that is virtually impossible to enforce proactively, right? This might be a charge that could be applied after the fact, but there's no way for police to be perusing, you know, every uh, circular, every advertisement, uh, in the hopes of, you know, finding somebody who's selling a gun without putting the buyer through a background check.
1: Well, I I think that that the way that's addressed is through, um, a breach of contract type component. All of the, if all of these folks that are advertising the sale of a firearm, like an uncle, uncle Henry's, if there's a disclosure in uncle Henry's in that section that says under main law, if you sell a firearm in this publication, a background check is required, then that's a disclosure to the individuals that are putting the ad in. Yeah. And then the way they would enforce that is when you send your ad in, you sign that you're going to do a background check in the sale. That that's I, how I would see something like that being enforced. But you are correct, that's going to be difficult to enforce, but 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 I think what the go- the governor's trying to do is split the hair and say, you know, if you're if you know the person you're selling a gun to, like if I have a good friend of known for a while I knows not prohibited, is interested in buying my gun or a family member, you won't have to have a background check. The recklessly language, I want to transition into that because that yeah. could have implications. In the case of the gun show and the advertised sales, that is a limited expansion of background checks. The word recklessly, though, changes the dynamic a bit. Mm-hmm it's a cautionary it's a legal standard i mean there's a legal definition for recklessly you can look that up if you have reason to believe a person potentially could be dangerous maybe they've had a domestic violence dispute uh dispute with a neighbor and they show up and say hey joe can i buy you a shotgun and you know that that is going on and then you sell the gun to them without a background check you're probably in trouble but what it does is there's a it creates a, a a defense for the person selling the gun so in that situation the person is probably probably can pass a background check so you you know that this person potentially is in a dispute if to protect yourself you say hey i'll meet you at joe's gun shop tomorrow let's see if you pass a background check and then i might consider it that's the type of situation that that's meant to apply But um, as far as the family to family, friends that you trust, what I've seen so far doesn't affect that relationship at all. So it's a little it's a little bit complicated, especially when the press is reporting it like universal background checks. Mm -hmm. What I've seen is it's not. And so, again, the governor could have said, I support universal background checks. She didn't. She's trying to thread the needle here. and I you know we'll be part of those discussions and and try to make sure that because we don't support universal background checks,
0: yeah, well, uh, no. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, you talk about Maine being the second most rural state in the country, and th- that, to me, is one of the the issues here. I understand where the governor's coming from. But again, I also understand the practical impact of this. if you if you are, you know, two hours away from a gun store, Right. Um, that that that's going to be a real burden on that gun seller to. All right. Well, let's let's meet two hours away at Joe's gun shop and then we'll go through the background check. Um, I, I can see some doubles in the detail uh, here with with this as well as the recklessly language. Right. Because as you say, there is a legal standard, yep. uh, but it doesn't mean that every judge that, uh, you know, uh, here's a case is going to actually abide by that standard or um Uh, you know, use it a a very, very narrowly crafted definition of uh, recklessly uh, when considering whether or not somebody should have put a buyer through a background check. I I I, I also want
1: to say that's a valid and reasonable concern, not just for this law, but for all laws in which there's vagary within the law. We have other proposals in the legislature right now that are far more dangerous than what we're talking about. Yeah. There's two bills related to liability and advertising for gun shops where the legislature is considering giving authority to our partisan attorney general to make the judgment on whether you're targeting young people or inappropriately advertising with very large funds so they this is potentially if it passed the attorney general could go around the state of maine and literally harass gun shops those bills are running under the radar they, just to your point, if those pass and they're able to have vague standards in place where mm-hmm. the attorney general, who is an activist, political activist, can harass us, that's that's the slippery slope. Uh, the governor's office, I've shared that concern with their staff. I don't know if the governor would support those proposals, but I am fighting on multiple fronts to kill really bad bills in the
0: legislature. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, right? That's the other side of this coin. So we can talk about what the governor proposed in the State of the State Address, but, you know, the gun control groups, uh, some Democratic lawmakers are already saying, well, that's a good start, but, yeah. right, and yeah. they're still pushing for 72-hour waiting periods, bans on so-called assault weapons, a you know, yeah. scrapping the yellow flag law, replacing it with a red flag law that doesn't involve any mental health component whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and and I, I've got to ask, David, because I saw this story a couple days ago, the son of the Senate president, Troy Jackson, yes. uh, and former chief of staff are, are, have now been hired by a gun control group. Now, Jackson has been endorsed by the NRA, has been endorsed, I believe, by Sportsman's Alliance of Maine um, in the past. What are you hearing uh, about uh, where uh, the Senate president is now on these gun control bills with his son now working on behalf of gun control groups in Maine?
1: Well, You've just touched a nerve. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we gave Troy Jackson an award for legislative service. He's always been a strong Second Amendment advocate. His community is a Roostic county. Uh, some of the most rural areas that depend on hunting and firearm ownership. So, yeah, I'm very concerned. Um, I've met with Troy. <sighs> he's kept his cards close to his vest, so it's hard to know exactly what he's doing. But if he if he um, has now flipped his position, at some point he's got to come out and let the public know that. And he's starting to do that. I've seen some reports of things he said at fundraisers where it looks like he's supporting gun control. Uh, that's just not the Troy Jackson I served with 20 years ago. When I first came into the House of Representatives back, God, it has to be 24, 25 years ago, He's a pretty conservative guy from a conservative area. Um, I would hate to see him in his 20-some years of public service, and he's turned out to go out as having been the gun control advocate after he was supported for those 25 years by the outdoor and the, and the gun rights community. That leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. And he will not go unanswered if that's what happens. Uh, you cannot rely on organizations like mine and the NRA to get elected year after year and then turn on them as you're leaving office. That would ruin his reputation with our community and likely lead to opposition if he ever seeks public office again. It's just not something that we can look the other way on, and we won't. Yeah. So well, I'm as worried as everyone else that he might be the problem going forward. Okay. Okay. Let's wait and see, though. He's got a chance to do the right thing. And the governor's, the governor's got a very strong hand as well. I would also point to Democrat leadership in the Senate and in the House. What I would say to them is, uh, where are you on these measures? Because the president and the speaker only manage the chambers. It's their, not their job to act as the grease skids for policies for out-of-state groups. So those, those leadership teams for both parties have a very important role. And so far, what I've seen is they, the leaders have kept their cards close to their vest, but have been more supportive of the governor's position. And this is what it comes down to. The Democrats have super, almost super majorities in both chambers mm-hmm. and the governorship. So there's a lot of worry, a lot of hand-wringing going on as to what might happen because of the national party positions. I think this could be a game changer in the next election if they go too far because we've been kind of lulled as a, a, a gun rights community that even with Democrats in power, we've been able to maintain our rights here. If that changes, it will change the voting dynamic as well. And I think a lot of moderates that are unenrolled in Democrat that are also Second Amendment advocates, if they see this go crazy, you're going to see a migration to the, to the right on these issues. And especially, we still have options as an outdoor community. Mm-hmm. It's called the people's veto. If they go too far, then we'll put a people's veto on the table. And we've won those before, working with our partners at the NRA and Gun owners of Maine. So we still have options if they go too far. And I want to make sure that people understand the consequences of going too far.
0: I, you know, I, 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 and I hope that the Lumingers do, because, you know, I, David, the second amendment is not a right of the right. It is not a right of Republicans, right? It is a right of we, the people. And and honestly, this should be a bipartisan or a nonpartisan issue. And one of the, one of the great things about Maine is that it has been right. It's yeah, been yeah. one of those states where yeah. it's not an automatic. I look in Virginia. I hate to say it, where I live, you know, if you, if you say, oh, well, that, that's a democratic lawmaker. All right. Well, 99 times out of 100, they're going to support any gun control bill that gets introduced, right? Oh, that's a Republican lawmaker. Well, 99 times out of 100, they're going to oppose any gun control bill. Um, That's not great, quite honestly, for for gun owners and for Second Amendment supporters, because, you know, it it forces us to put all of our eggs in one basket when both parties should be respecting this fundamental right. So Maine has been a leader in that regard. And you're right. It would be tragic. Uh, to see, you know, these local lawmakers just fall in line behind the national party and say, "All right, well, now, yeah, now we got to support these gun bans and red flag laws and everything else." Um, what, what is your advice for for gun owners right now I mean, with, a special, with a session with the session going on? Yeah. Where should they be directing their advocacy? Should they be contacting House members, Senate members, everybody at this point? What what should they be doing?
1: Well, I feel. Pretty strongly, like you mentioned earlier, the Republicans are pretty sound on these issues. Mm -hmm. Had some preliminary discussions. I think they're pretty solid on, on, on stuff moving forward. But what I would say to your listeners is that right now, the only finger in the dike is the governor's. And to attack the governor at this point, given what she put forward, I don't think is the best strategy. If she pulls her finger out of the dike and if the Democrat leadership feels that the path is clear, they'll put every gun control measure on her desk. And the reason they'll do that is we're going into an election and a Michael Bloomberg would put Maine on a mantle as a trophy if it could shove gun control down our throat. They would then say these national groups, Maine is now we've broke their back and we can implement our agenda here. And if we can do it in Maine, we can do it anywhere. So this is a very delicate place that we are in as Second Amendment advocates and gun owners. Your point is we've put forward responsible public safety measures that have saved lives, and that's the Community Protection Order, so-called yellow flag, 170-some times it's been used. The governor mentioned it in her speech almost once a day since the Lewiston shooting, has the highest levels of due process. Main school safety, all of the components she mentioned around public safety in her speech came through our organization, working with the governor and the legislature and Republicans and Democrats. You change that model, and the entire dynamic in Maine changes. It becomes more combative. Basically, they're building the next governor, uh, conservative governor, candidates' platform. They, they, They could be building. What has been happening around the country one side versus the other and brute force wins at the end of the day in other words whoever has more money wins that is not governing that's not policy making that is basically a dictatorship you think about what's happening in some parts of the country now where bloomberg basically owns the state and they're passing unconstitutional legislation left and right Ends up going to the Supreme Court, takes five to 10 years. They get their policy in place. They condition the public to accept it. And then the Supreme Court comes in and says, no, 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 you've gone too far. It's unconstitutional. What do they do? They craft a new proposal. They change up the language a little and they run it down the same course. That's not governing. That's a dictatorship. Uh, Our biggest problem in this country is out of state money and how much of it is influencing our elections. And I'm afraid, you mentioned Troy Jackson. Mm -hmm. I wonder what his future looks like and what he's running for. And I hope to God he isn't taking these changes in the context of running for something else. Because that's what's happening around the country. Money is driving our policymaking to the extreme. And at some point, we're going to have no trust in the in the legislative process, no trust in our elected leaders. I think Mills is trying to to break that mold, and for that, I do
0: respect her. I, you know, listen. I, did she say everything I wanted her to say last night? No. Did she say anything or everything that gun control advocates wanted her to say last night? No. And so, from that perspective, I can respect what she's doing here. Right? She she is. I think. Um, She's not doing everything that I would like to see her do, but I think she is doing what she honestly what she honestly believes is 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 right. And yeah. not what Michael Bloomberg thinks is right, not what David Trean thinks is right. Correct. And you know, you know, for better or for worse, that 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 is what we want our leaders to do, right? We don't want them to kowtow to special interests, as you said. We want them to respect the constitution. We want them to have fealty to the constitution, the oath that they took. Um, that doesn't mean we're going to agree 100 percent of the time on the policies that they promote. But, I, you know, I just I I've been covering New Mexico, for example, so much uh, over the past couple of months with Michelle on Grisham, you know, arbitrarily and unilaterally deciding, yeah, you can't carry in Albuquerque or Bernalillo County just because I say so. Uh, she's trying to ram through, you know, a 14 business day waiting period. Uh, the the, the a state version of the Go Safe Act that was introduced by Angus King and Martin Heinrich. Um, you know, if you compare that uh, to what Janet Mills called for in the State of the State uh, address last night, two very, very different approaches, right? And I think, uh, you know, is is Mills suggesting going to uh, appeal to every owner? Is going to be perfect for every second amendment advocate? No, there are probably going to be some problems there. But I think it is a it's not just a more moderate approach. Even if I disagree with it, I would say it is a more thoughtful approach. Than what we're seeing from Gavin Newsom, from um, you know Grisham in New Mexico, from Jared Polis in Colorado, and you know, frankly, Healy in Massachusetts, uh, you know, and some of the other New England states too, unfortunately.
1: Um, well, you are, you're right on and what what I think is is our issue here is that as you know, when individuals are seeking positions of powers like a power, like a newsom or candidates that are running for the U.S. Senate, these races have become so competitive that a lot of times their talking points are just pandering to the money.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, Newsom wants to run for president. Let's not be naive about that. Oh, sure. Don't sell out to whomever on the left to get their support, to get through a progressive primary, because that's that's where I think the, the general voter doesn't understand that primaries Restrict who you get to vote for. So it's like the more money, the more progressive they become. No matter who comes out of the primary, you've got a crappy choice because they're, they're almost always extreme because you have a small group of people with a lot of money that are saying, if you want to get through this primary, you've got to promise X, Y, Z, whether it's good for the country or not. I'll give you an example of that the border issue. I saw the president on TV the other day saying that the Republicans could close the border tomorrow if they pass this. Are the American people that stupid? This guy opened the border. He can close the border. He doesn't need Congress to act. He created a straw man. He created a scary situation of his making. And then he says to somebody else, you go fix it. And at the same time, give me what I want over here. He is playing with the lives of, of people who are gonna get addicted to fentanyl and possibly die from drugs. He's pandering to, to cartels. Um, he's playing games with lives for political purposes. All to get power and money. That's what's wrong with our system right now. And the same thing is happening with guns. Maine is like a little island on its, by itself where there's still sanity. And that, I think we learned that last night, sanity still prevails. But as a gun gun rights community, we have to get that message out. And we can't do that by attacking her right now. (laughs) The finger's still in the dike. Uh, What we should do though, is put put the emphasis emphasis where it belongs. Um, This whole issue that happened in Lewiston, in my opinion, had nothing to do with guns. Mm -hmm. We need to prove that point first with the general public. Secondly, the gun control community flocked to Maine because they saw a tragedy they could take advantage of to promote an agenda that wouldn't have anything to do with preventing Lewiston. That's the two avenues. It's our job to prove that. And I think in the end, given the facts, that will happen. Uh, Let's hope the governor holds out. She's going to get immense pressure from her own party she is turned out she's not running again as governor she's in a strong position to push back but ultimately it's up to my community that i represent to put the pressure on To we should demand policies that save lives not policies that take guns away the, i'm going to leave you with this thought um, when we talked last time i don't think i mentioned it but i had received some pretty horrible death threats what if i didn't own a gun Okay, using the logic, these people want a a waiting period, whether it's three days or whether it's 14 days, makes no difference. person says, I hope somebody comes to your house and shoots you in the face. I hope Robert Card comes to your house and shoots you in the face. I said to my wife, I don't feel comfortable, I do have guns, but I don't feel comfortably being able to use the guns that I have to protect myself. I didn't have a handgun for self-defense. Am I supposed to wait three days and hope the guy doesn't shoot me in the face till I can get my gun? How about if I'm a a woman who's been assaulted and her ex-boyfriend says, I'm gonna kill you. You're gonna make her wait three days to protect herself? They're creating a greater liability and they're forcing people into the black market to buy guns to protect themselves. Law-abiding citizens who wanna protect themselves under waiting periods are gonna have to hope and pray that the people that are threatening them, don't follow through within that time period. Yep. That is not any policy that we could ever support. And it's, I'm oh, sorry, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, no, listen, David, I'm right there with you. And I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, for all the reasons that you outlined, um, again, from a constitutional perspective, under the Bruin test, waiting periods, I think, are unconstitutional but from a practical standpoint, again, our opponents don't care what the Supreme Court has said, right? They don't care what Bruins says. Mm. Um, So I think the constitutional argument only gets us so far in the court of public opinion. So from a practical perspective, what you just outlined is is exactly right. Um, There are times when somebody is going to need a firearm. They're going to need to exercise their right to armed self-defense. And why on earth would we put those artificial and arbitrary waiting periods before them? And as you say, uh, tell them well. Just hope that you don't get attacked in the next seventy-two hours, right? David, listen. I appreciate uh, you carving out a few minutes of your day with us. Uh, I, I really uh, thank you for your insight. Um, and w- let me do one final question. Where are we right now in the legislative process? Like, w- w- what's the next deadline coming up for the legislature to start you moving are. these bills? Uh,
1: bills are in committee now. Okay. A lot of the bills have been carried over, which means they've already had a public hearing. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of committee work going on without public input. That scares me a bit. Yeah. Uh, The governor's bill will be a new bill, which will mean it'll have a public hearing. So, we'll be able to weigh in at that point. But right now, there's a lot of wrangling going on behind the scenes with leadership, deals being struck with virtually no public input. And that's concerning. Absolutely. Uh, That's because we're we're in the second session of a two year uh, legislative cycle. And the new bills get a public hearing, but we don't get to weigh in anymore. And that that makes us vulnerable.
0: Yeah. All right. David Tran was the Sportsman's okay. Alliance of Maine. Again, thank you for your time today. I sure. look forward to talking to you again very soon, but uh, appreciate you carving out a few minutes today. Sure. My thanks to David for joining us on the program and looking forward to having him back again very soon. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case that isn't, I guess, quite a true recidivist report. I don't know if this woman actually had a previous criminal history, but I do know that the sentence that she received uh for pleading guilty to allowing her dog to starve to death not nearly tough enough. Nope, probation for this Decatur woman after a felony. Guilty plea of uh, aggravated cruelty to animals. Twyla Kitsos, the uh, 34-year-old's name. She was arrested a couple of months after the dog was found deceased in a cage on the side of the road, emaciated. Um, She was arrested in March of last year, following multiple tips from the public. She ended up pleading guilty in Macon County Court yesterday to aggravated cruelty to animals, which is a Class 4 felony. But the judge in this case sentenced her to just a year probation. What's even worse is that another person who's connected to this case, 58-year-old Dewey Ford, was arrested and charged for uh, his role in the case. He ended up taking a guilty plea to obstruction of justice, basically meaning that he impeded the investigation into the dog's death. He got two years probation. Meanwhile, the individual who was apparently more directly responsible for the death of this dog gets just one year probation, during which time, by the way, she's not allowed to own a pet for a year. I'm just I'm gobsmacked. I I I was gonna say I don't know what's wrong with Illinois. I know what's wrong with Illinois. There's a lot wrong with Illinois, uh, particularly in its criminal justice system. And this is just one example. But you know what? We've got another example of this too in today's armed citizen Store, which also comes from Macon County, Illinois. Emma Colton at Fox News reporting on a car thieves heroin fueled joyride coming to a screeching halt with the help of two armed homeowners. At least one of the individuals arrested for that uh, heroin fueled joyride already released from jail because of uh, Illinois' Safety Act, right? Judges don't have to um, keep suspects charged with crimes uh, behind bars. They can allow them to go free without even posting a dime of bail. Now, supposedly the law doesn't apply to suspects who are likely to pose a threat to the public. I would argue that – Engaging in a high-speed chase does put the public at risk, but apparently the judge in Macon County disagreed. Sheriff's Office said it was just before 5.30 last Tuesday afternoon. Deputies responded to a business in the town of Argenta after a suspicious vehicle had been reported in the parking lot. They found the car had previously been reported stolen. And when they confronted the two individuals in the car, they took off. Um, the guy behind the wheel, Tyler Crum, 33 years of age actually uh, hit one of the police vehicles with a stolen car while they were trying to get out of the parking lot. Deputies attempted to pursue the suspects, but they lost track of them. So then a uh, search began for uh, both Tyler Crum and James Crow, age 34. Uh, James Snow, excuse me. Uh, officers found the car ditched in a field that had been trashed at that point. But both Snow and Crum were gone by the time officers arrived. A short time later, however, deputies received a report that the uh, men were outside a nearby residence seeking refuge. Sheriff's Office says they were met by the homeowner armed with a firearm. One of the males was apprehended and taken into custody by law enforcement at that location. According to McColton, the second suspect fled the first home. (laughs) But when he got to another home, another homeowner, who was also armed, held him at gunpoint as well until law enforcement was able to take them into custody. Uh, No word, by the way, on if either of these homeowners had any of those, you know, awful large-capacity magazines or maybe one of those banned so-called assault weapons. Um, But the two armed homeowners getting the praise of the local sheriff there. Uh, And again, one of these individuals already uh, out of jail awaiting trial because apparently the judge didn't believe posed a threat to the public. At large, Crum has been charged with uh, aggravated battery to police officer, aggravated fleeing and eluding, possession of a stolen motor vehicle, resisting and obstructing a peace officer. But was just given a notice to appear on those charges. All right. Finally, today's good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. A story not from Macon County, Illinois, a little bit closer to home to me anyway, Danville, Virginia, where a, a teenager in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing and save a woman. From choking to death at a, a restaurant there in Danville. It was uh, just, uh, I guess, about a week ago at uh, Los Tres Maguillas restaurant in Danville, about four o'clock in the afternoon. A woman named Annette Brown starts to choke. Turns out she was choking on a cherry. 16 um, year old Trinity Aaron was in a, a booth and saw what was going on. She stood up, and when she realized that uh, Brown was choking, she began giving her the Heimlich maneuver, was able to dislodge the cherry that was struck uh, stuck in the Brown's throat, uh, even before paramedics arrived. Erin said her parents taught her how to do the Heimlich, and uh, again, she put that skill to good use in saving the life of Annette Brown, just out for a, a bite to eat, and ended up saving a life. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, in the right place, at the right time, we able to do the right thing. Trinity, Erin, we thank you for your very, very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow as we cover even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But of course, you can stay up to date at BearingArms.com throughout the day. Just go to, uh, well, the website, BearingArms.com if you want to find out more about the news that's impacting your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member. All you have to do, go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP or VIP Gold membership. We're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else because your support really does make a difference and it truly does matter. So thank you again. All right, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.